Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Reading from Chaitanya Charitamrit, Chapter 9, Madhulila, verse 245. Madhvacharya stane aila yanhatak madhvacharya stane Aila yan hatakvavadi, Udupite Krishna deki, Tahan haila premon madi. Word to word translation. Should I share? Do you have it up? Yeah, okay. I can share it. So, a little long purport, but we'll read a few paragraphs. <coughs> Chaitanya Mahaprabhu next arrived at Udipi, the place of Madhvacharya, where philosophers known as Tatvavadis reside. There he saw the deity of Lord Krishna and became mad with ecstasy. Purport by His Divine Grace Shlesi Bhaktivedanta Swami Shila Prabhupada Kijari. Shripad Madhvacharya took his birth near Udipi which is situated in the South Kanara district of South India, uh, just west of Sahayadri. This is the chief city of South Kanara province and is near the city of Mangalore, which is situated to the south of Udipi. Near the city of Udipi is a place called Pajakakshetra, where Madhvacharya took his birth in Shivalli Brahmanasak dynasty as the son of Madhyageha Bhatta in the year 1040 Shakabda AD 1118. According to some, he was born in the year 1160 Shakabda AD 1238. In childhood, Madhvajari was known as Vasudev, and there are some wonderful stories surrounding him. It is said that once when his father had piled up many debts, Madhvacharya converted tamarind seeds into actual coins to pay them off. When he was five years old, he was offered the sacred thread. A demon named Maniman lived near his abode in the form of a snake. At the age of five, Madhvacharya killed that snake with the toe of his left foot. When his mother was very much disturbed, he would appear before her in one jump. He was a great scholar even in childhood, and although his father did not agree, he accepted sannyas at the age of 12. Upon receiving sannyas from Achyuta Pariksha, he received the name Purna Pragnatirtha. After traveling all over India, he finally discussed scriptures with Vidya Shankara, the exalted leader of Shangeri Mat. 
Vidya Shankar was actually diminished in the presence of Madhvacharya, accompanied by Satyatirtha Madhvacharya went to Badrikashrama. It was there that he met Vyasadeva and explained his commentary on the Bhagavad Gita before him. Thus, he became a great scholar by studying before Vyasadeva. By the, by the time he came to the Anandamat from Badrikashram, Madhvacharya had finished his commentary on Bhagavad Gita. His companion Satyatirtha wrote down the entire commentary. When Madhvacharya returned from Badrikashram, he went to Ganjama, which is on the bank of River Godavari. There he met two learned scholars named Shoban Bhatt and Swami Shastri. Later, these scholars became known in the disciplic succession of Madhvacharya as Padmanabhat Tirtha and Narahari Tirtha. When he returned to ODP, he would sometimes bathe in the ocean. On such an occasion, he composed a prayer in five chapters. Once while sitting beside the sea engrossed in meditation upon Lord Shri Krishna, he saw that a large boat containing goods from Dwaraka was in danger. He gave some signs by which the boat could approach the shore and it was saved. The owners of the boat wanted to give him a present and at that time, Madhvacharya agreed to take some Gopi Chandan he received a big lump of Gopi Chandan, and as it was being brought to him, it broke apart and revealed a large deity of Lord Krishna. The deity had a stick in one hand and a lump of food in other. As soon as Madhvacharya received the deity of Krishna in this way, he composed a prayer. The deity was so heavy that even 30 people could not, not even 30 people could lift it. Yet Madhvacharya personally brought this deity to Udupi. Eight of Madhvacharya Sanya's disciples became directors of his eight monasteries. Worship of Lord Krishna deity is still going up at UDP according to the plans Madhvacharya established. Madhvacharya then for the second time visited Badrikashram. While he was passing through Maharashtra, the local king was digging a big lake for the public benefit. As Madhvacharya passed through that area with his disciples, he was also obliged to help in excavation. After some time when Madhvacharya visited the king, he engaged the king in that work and departed with his disciples. Often in the province of Ganga Pradesh, there were fights between Hindus and Muslims. The Hindus were on the one bank of the river and Muslims on the other. Due to the community tension, no boat was available for crossing the river. The Muslim soldiers were always stopping passengers on the other side, but Madhvacharya did not care for these soldiers. He crossed the river anyway, and when he met the soldiers on the other side, he was brought before the king. The Muslim king was so pleased with him that he wanted to give his, him a kingdom and some money, but Madhvacharya refused. While walking on the road, he was attacked by some decoits, but his bodily strength, but by his bodily strength, he killed them all. And, it, uh, and his companion Satyatirtha was attacked by a tiger. Madhvacharya separated them by virtue of his great strength. When he met Vyasadev, he received from him the Shalagram Shula known as Ashtamurti. After this, he summarized the Mahabharata. Madhvacharya's devotion to the Lord and his erudite scholarship came known throughout India. Consequently, the owners of Shingerimat established by Shankaracharya became a little perturbed. At the time, the followers of Shankaracharya were afraid of Madhvacharya's rising power, and they began to tease Madhvacharya disciples in many ways. There was even an attempt to prove that disciplic succession of Madhvacharya was not in line with Vedic principles. A person named Pundarik Puri, a follower of Mayavad philosophy of Shankaracharya, came before Madhvacharya to discuss the Shastras. It is said that all of Madhvacharya's books were taken away, but later they were found with the help of King Jayasimha, ruler of Kumla, 
in discussion, Pundarik Puri was defeated by Madhvacharya, a great personality named Trivikramacharya, who was a resident of Vishnu Mangala, became Madhvacharya's disciple. And his son later became Narayana Acharya, the composer of Sri Madhva Vijaya. After the death of Trivikramacharya, the younger brother of Narayana Acharya took sannyas and later became known as Vishnu Tirtha. It was reputed that there was no limit to the bodily strength of Purnapragya Madhvacharya. There was a person named Kadanjari who was famed for possessing the strength of 30 men. Madhvacharya placed the big toe of his foot upon the ground and asked the man to separate it from the ground. But the great man could not do so even after great effort. Srila Madhvacharya passed from this material world at the age of 80 while writing a commentary on the Aitreya Upanishad. For further information of Madhvacharya, one should read Madhva Vijaya by Narana Acharya. So we can stop there and discuss a little bit. I guess we can just keep going too. There's only two more paragraphs. <laughs> the Acharyas of Madhva Pampradaya established Urupi as a chief center in the monastery. There was known as Uttarad Ardhimatha. A list of different centers of Madhvacharya Sampradaya can be found at Urupi, and their Mata commanders are one Vishnu Sirtha. Sodamat, Janardhan Tirtha, Krishnapur Mat, Vamala Tirtha, Kanura Mat, Narasimha Tirtha, Adamar Mat, Upendra Tirtha, Puttugi Mat, Rama Tirtha, Sirura Mat, Prishikesh Tirtha, Palimar Mat, Akshobhya Tirtha, Pejavar Mat. The disciplic succession of Madhvacharya Sampradaya is as follows. The dates are those of birth in Shakabda era for Christian era dates at 70 years. Hamsa Paramatma, Chaturmukha Brahma, Sanakadi, Durvasa, Jnana Nidhi, Garuda Vahana, Kaivalya Tirtha, Jnanesha Tirtha, Paratirtha, Satya Pragna Tirtha, Pragna Tirtha, Achyuta Prakshacharya Tirtha, Shri Madhvacharya. So that is where Madhvacharya uh, appeared. Padmanabha, Narahari, Madhava, and Akshobhya, Jaya Tirtha, Vidyadiraja, Kavindra, Vagisha, Ramachandra Vidyanidhi, Sri Raghunatha, Rayu Varya, who spoke with Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Raghu Uttama, Veda Vyasa, not the same Veda Vyasa, but this is a different one. Vidyadisha, Veda Nidhi, Satyavrata, Satyanidhi, Satyanatha, Satyabhinava, Satyapurna, Satyavijaya, Satyapriya, Vada Satyas, Satyabhoda, Satyasanda, Satyavara, Satya Dharma, Satya Sankalpa, Satya Santushta, Satya Parayana, Satya Katya Kama, Satyesha, Satya Parakrama, Satya Dhira, Satya Dhira Tirtha. Never knew there had so many names with Satya. After the 16th Acharya Vidya Dhiraja Tirtha, there was another disciple succession, including Rajendra Tirtha, 1254. Vijayavad Dhaja Purushottama Subramanya and Vyasarai, 1470 to 1520. The 19th Acharya Ramachandra Tirtha had another including Vibhudhendra, 1218. Jitamrita, 1348. Raghunandana, Surendra, Vijendra, Sudhindra, and Raghavendra Tirtha, 1550.
that is some history. Uh, I was gonna show one picture. So there are so many names here we have. Most of you have read introduction of uh, Bhagavad Gita. So if you see this one, so we can see our lineage here. So that's Madhvacharya right there. And some of the disciples we just read the names are here. So all the way till Vyasatirtha, right? And Lakshmipati. So these are all from the original Madhva lineage. And from here, we have the beginning of Brahma Madhva Kodiya Sampradaya. Starting with, of course, Madhavendra Puri was also, but you know, there was beginning of Mahaprabhu's uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava, especially it completely established when Lord Chaitanya took initiation from Ishwar Puri, because Ishwar Puri was the disciple of Madhavendra Puri, who was connected with Lakshmipati, who was the disciple of Yastirtha. So if we go back on this one, we have to find somewhere so we can see Akshobhya there, right? We can see Purushottamas, you know. So where is Madhva here? Uh, I think right here somewhere we thought so Yeah, Padmanabha, we said that. Narahari, Pragyatirtha, the Preksha. So Narahari, there is one more. Jayatirtha is there. So you can see some steps have been skipped, right? Some Acharyas have been skipped. Um, so just to concise, but eventually, you know, we don't find it here in this description, but in what we see here is where Madhavendra Puri was the disciple of Lakshmi Pati. So that's how we are connected to the line of, uh, the line of uh, Madhavendra Puri and uh, to the Madhvacharya line. So we all know that uh, we are familiar with there are four sampradayas, you know, just to get a little appreciation of what Madhvacharya has done. I mean, Prabhupada pretty much talks beautifully in this purport. He established how Madhvacharya was uh, such a prominent personality, not just uh, the way he understood scriptures and presented them, but also he was quite a superhuman man. You know, he was, he was, uh, uh, no less than any superhuman, you know, in his abilities, how he was able to uh, show immense power, immense abilities in various things, uh, made coins out of tamarind seeds, that will be popular. A lot of people may be interested with that too. And so ultimately, you know, uh, it's not just these uh, superhuman feats of Acharya is not the most prominent aspect of the Acharya, the most prominent aspect of the Acharya is what is the principles and instructions they leave. There is a beautiful verse in uh, 10th Kendra Srimad Bhagavatam. It goes by Swayam Samuttirya Sudhishtaram Diman. I can pull it up too. Um, let's see which it is. Uh, it's a very important verse. Uh, it's uh, 10th Kanto. Chapter 2, verse 31. 
So this database is really helpful if you have it handy. So if you go 10th chapter, chapter two, verse 31. So here it is described. Oh, sorry. Here it is described. <clears throat> this beautiful verse describes, O Lord, who resembled the shining sun, you're always ready to fulfill the desires of your devotee, and therefore you're known as desire tree, one chakalpaturu. And acharyas completely take shelter of your lotus feet, under your lotus feet, in order to cross the fierce ocean of nescience. They leave behind on earth the method by which they cross. And because you are very merciful to your devotees, you accept this method to help them. So many times uh, we ask, how does God help? God, sometimes we say, God helps those who help themselves. Sometimes, you know, we don't necessarily uh, understand what that really means. It also means that uh, what, how are we helped when we take shelter of this system? There's an accepted method how Krishna establish a jiva to, to um, living entity, who is conditioned living entity to, to fight his way back out of this material existence. And the easiest and the most sublime way is taking shelter of Acharyas. So in that sense, Mahaprabhu, when he appeared as 500 years back as a devotee, he wanted to make this principle very much an important principle in his life. So in, in the Bhagavad Gita uh, introduction, what we saw the disciplic line is to just establish that point. You know, all the four sampradayas are ultimately have origins from Krishna. Like there are four sampradayas, which are Shri Sampradaya, Kumara Sampradaya, Brahma Sampradaya, which is Madhva Sampradaya ultimately, and then uh, Kumara Sampradaya. So ultimately there are uh, acharyas who have propagated this. There are great acharyas who have come and expounded according to time, place, philosophy, the same principles in a more broader framework. But the principle is one has to connect oneself to such bona fide paramparas. And just to prove this point, Mahaprabhu, even though he's Krishna himself, he could have started his own sampradaya technically, but because he came in the guise of a devotee to teach the principle of how to become a devotee, he accepted the shelter of uh, Ishwarapuri and who himself was in the line of uh, Madhva lineage or Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. That's the origins of our Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. And from there, we have a, we have a, so many acharyas in our line who have, uh, who have uh, come and disseminated the transcendental knowledge according to time, place, and circumstances, according to the qualifications of devotees. And the foremost of such acharyas also is Srila Prabhupada, who came, who came to the West and propagated the same principles of this great lineage and the principles of, Prabhupada would say, the cult of pure devotional service. So Mahaprabhu could have accepted um, his, uh, Mahaprabhu could have uh, taken shelter in any of these four sampradayas, but he specifically chose Madhva lineage or Brahma Madhva for some specific reasons too, uh, just in a glorification of Madhvacharya. You know, he took 
as did Acharya, he took the principles from every Sampradaya. You know, there's a detail from that. He took two principles from every Sampradaya, but from prominently Madhva lineage, Madhvacharya, he took the principles of, of worship of Krishna in his form, Shri Murti, the form which we see, that worship which Madhvacharya has established. So he, he accepted that principle prominently. And more importantly, also uh, appreciated how Madhvacharya destroyed the Mayavad concepts and established the principle that Supreme Lord is different from Jiva. We are different from the Supreme Lord. Ultimately, we have a relationship of being a servant in loving relationship with the Lord. So Madhva Acharya was very, very strong and harsh in his preaching. We have to understand historically why all these uh, things are important because when we look at the Vedic scriptures, like sometimes people want to talk about, did you read Upanishads? Oh, did you read this Vedas? Now, this is asked by people like, you know, I've read Upanishads and I've read this Vedas. And it seems like everybody's got their own conclusions when they read. So Vedas give like a spiritual understanding according to one's consciousness and multi-layer understandings too. So not everybody who reads the book will get the same understanding. We may pick up the same book, but we may sometimes even get opposite conclusions. It's like one person can pick up the literature of Bhagavad Gita and say, Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. And one other person, without proper understanding, he can say, well, Krishna is just like one of us. And the supreme absolute truth is something within Krishna. So there's so many misunderstandings. And similarly, when the Nindasi Yagya Videraha Shuti Jatam, so Jadeva Goswami says, when the Vedic principles were somewhat uh, uh, compromised, because you know, traditionally, when we hear in the previous Yuga, there is people used to do, the great Brahmanas used to do Yagyas, they used to perform sacrifices, great sacrifices. And typically of that sacrifice, as we read, you know, a few chapters back in Bhagavatam, animals were sacrificed. So typically animals were sacrificed, not for the purpose of killing them or to eat them, but to test the efficiency of the mantra. Just like we talked about, you know, somebody's rolling out a, a vaccine to help people. People want to see if this is really the real deal or is this not something that I should be convinced about so naturally the first thing you do is test so that you can create that trust and faith in people so the great brahmanas great brahmanas uh, were able to test and prove that yes these ignorant sacrifices are for the benefit of everyone and if you cooperate with us and you know this is for the benefit of the humanity so so typically ashwamedha yagya and you know sometimes Gomeda and other sacrifices were performed where animals were typically sacrificed, where they got rejuvenated and a birth was given, new birth was given to them. So over the time, just like anything, the form is preserved, the essence is lost. This is a typical human deterioration, what happens. 
So many people started performing sacrifices without understanding the principle and animals were slaughtered unnecessarily. So at this point, it is described So Lord Krishna appeared, empowered Lord Buddha. The incarnation of Lord Buddha appeared. And for a person who is so steeped into something like that, it's very difficult to convince because his mind, we, our minds always go back to what we are attached to as a, as a ritual or a form. So Buddha, when he came, he said, this Vedas, these are not really the real deal. There's no Vedas because you know, he wanted to really detach people from those activities of violent activities. So he said, the real principle is ahimsa. And there are some standard principles, which I will tell you that if you follow, ultimately you come to the conclusion. And his conclusion was ultimately everything was zero because people were so lower in their consciousness. So this was significant for a while. And it has to be, of course, everything has to come back to the real understanding. So Shankaracharya, when he appeared, his philosophy of Shankaracharya is pretty much Vedic philosophy, means have faith in Vedas, Vedas teach, but it's somewhat Buddhistic in his presentation so that people are not shocked <laughs> to, to the truest understanding. So Acharyas like Shankaracharya were sent to establish people's faith back into the Vedic paradigm, but at the same time, uh, understand that, you know, um, that, you know, yes, there are so many details, so people were confused. So Shankaracharya said, everything is illusion. This all, everything, this material nature is illusion. You jiva are illusion. <laughs> so he just said, Brahma is the satya. The absolute truth is satya. Jagan mitya. Everything in the material world is all illusion. And what about jiva? Uh, jiva, Brahma, uh, how did he, he said? There is no difference. Jiva, Brahma, na paraha. There is no difference because when the, when the jiva realizes through knowledge, cultivation of knowledge, he comes to understanding that I am Brahman, then that himself is Brahman. There is nothing. There is no jiva. The concept of jiva is illusory. So this was the philosophy which was very widely accepted throughout the India. And, uh, and typically when we say acharyas, these are the three principles where acharyas always have a differences. What is the position of the Supreme Lord? What is the position of the living entity? And what is the material nature? And how these three are related to each other? And how they are not related to each other? So these are the three fundamental principles that Acharyas present in their philosophical understanding. And everybody are supposed to present according to the Vedic understanding. So they're not just speculating are writing of a theory out of their mind, but they take the Vedic books, Shastra, and make them as the references and present their philosophy in connection to these three concepts. So in, in a simple sense, that is exactly what we're talking. So all Acharyas are just presenting their commentaries and what is the position of Jiva? What is Krishna's nature? What is Krishna's connection with Jiva, with material nature? What is our connection? So Prabhupada says this, Understanding of understanding of the Supreme Lord Ishwara, Jiva, 
and connection between them is transcendental knowledge. So we can say in one sense that this is all transcendental knowledge that typically is described in Upanishads. So Shankaracharya was very prominent in establishing this uh, Advaita Veda, Advaita Siddhanta, which is non-dualistic. Everything is one. It resonated very well because then you don't have to really go into the details because there's so many difficult things to explain details. You can really explain how Krishna or Lord Vishnu is Supreme Lord because they said, you know, he's also in under influence of Maya. So the ultimate thing is Brahman without any qualities. Sometimes you hear the word, Prabhupada says, Nirguna Brahman. So that is the ultimate reality. And all these are temporary designations. But one who awakens knowledge is awakens to reality. And, uh, and when one awakens to reality, then one understands that one is non-different. So it resonated with a lot of people and because they were under the guise of Buddhistic understanding, which is atheistic because it doesn't refer to Vedas. So during the time of Ramanuja's time and Madhva time, many people were very strongly having, uh, even though they were uh, sometimes follow, even the followers of Vaishnavas had to, um, had to externally present themselves as Shankara followers because there was a huge force in that sense. So even Achyuta Pariksha was one of those, the spiritual master of Madhvacharya, Diksha, spiritual master. He was, um, and his guru were all under the, externally they were practicing the Shaivat principles of Shankaracharya, but internally they were cultivating Vaishnava principles. And Madhva, when he appeared, and he, he took shelter of Diksha from, uh, from Achyuta Pariksha, his spiritual master, he was very bent upon to establish this separation between, uh, you know, principle of non-duality. Uh, he was against that principle. Uh, there is a duality between Jiva and Jiva, Jiva and Prakriti, which is nature, nature and the Supreme Lord, and Supreme Lord and the living entity. So he established by his works, it's called Dvaitavad. That's what these followers of, as we read this purport, his followers are called tatvavadis, means one who identifies there is a difference. And he preached very, very strongly against the followers of uh, against the followers of Shankara. He, as we read in the purport, he was very instrumental in in uh, changing people's ideas and concept. And uh, he himself uh, was very strong, and also he established devotional principles in his teachings in far and wide ways. And uh, many, many prominent people of that time who were followers of Shankara, they had to, they had become his disciples. Now Madhvai himself was, though he was a Diksha, Diksha disciple of Achyuta Preksha, he, as we read in the purple briefly, Prabhupada said he, he also had an audience of Vyasdev. We all know Vyasdev is the compiler of all the Vedas and Vedanta Sutra. Srimad Bhagavatam, all these transcendental literatures. So Madhvacharya visited and presented his commentaries on Bhagavad Gita and Brahma Sutras and got his blessings. So that's why when we see the Guru Parampara, we don't necessarily see Achyuta Preksha, we see Vyasdev. 
because he's considered the Siksha disciple of Yasdev. In fact, it is described when he went to Himalayas to Badrikashram to visit uh, Vyasdev. Uh, one of his disciples, Satyatirtha, was following him, but he couldn't follow. He was Madhvacharya is, is considered incarnation of wind, Vayu. In Treta Yuga, he appeared as Hanuman, wind, wind god, or Vayu. Then in uh, Dwapara Yuga, it was Bhima, one of the Pandavas. And in Kali Yuga, it's Madhvacharya. That's how he appeared. And then he was jumping. He was so strong. He was jumping from peak to peak. And he was rushing. <laughs> so his disciple couldn't catch up. He said, you know, you just stay here. I'll just go quickly and come back. And then he, he, he visited Vyasdev. So in Madhva lineage, Udipi is a very uh, sacred place. And they also regard Badrikashram as a very sacred place. In fact, it is described when Madh Madhvacharya left his body, they say, you know, he's present invisibly in Udipi and he's present visibly in Badrikashram. That's how Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswatthakur narrates that. That's how Madhvacharya's disciples and his followers consider him. And, and after Madhvacharya, of course, once the, you know, he pre presented this duality where uh, principles of we are Dvaita, we are completely independent. We are not uh, independent, but we are not same. We are separate from the Lord. You know, he swung the pendulum towards the other side. And then Mahaprabhu synthesized in his beautiful presentation in Achintya Beda Beda, simultaneously one with Krishna in the sense we are qualitatively one, but quantitatively we are not. So there is a lot of philosophical discussion and details that we don't have to go today, but somebody is interested, there's so much, you know, how exactly the points are different. Uh, points are different and some points are equal. On a principle basis, all Vaishnava, uh, Vaishnava Sampradayas are same, but on the details, they are different. So there's actually not uh, huge differences in that sense. When we say principle basis, all the Vaishnava Acharyas accept the eternality principle of Krishna or Vishnu, eternality principle of Jiva. So Jiva is always eternal, is always existing, is and the relationship between the Jiva and Krishna is one of servitude, one of uh, of uh, transcendental loving service. So these principles and the nature of material world is temporary, but it is eternal too, is also described. So this fundamental truths all Vaishnava Acharyas accept. It is only in the details of how and what, how it is related, you know, the, the details are described a little differently. And Mahaprabhu synthesized how we are simultaneously one and different because, he, you know, he propounded this principle of Achintya Beda Beda in the sense that we are simultaneously one. And Krishna also has energies that he interacts uh, with and we interact with that energies of Krishna and they're simultaneously act in such a way that uh, they're different, but they have one purpose. So all of our great Acharyas in our line, including Jeev Goswami, Baldev Bhushan, they very much uh, have a, in their commentaries of Sandarvas and presentations of Shastric principles, they have referred to Mad Madhvacharya's references quite a bit. So they, you know, to just to 
see how we are strongly connected. He's a very prominent person in our tradition. And Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur often felt that, you know, you know, we don't necessarily recognize these four acharyas so prominently because they have been such a prominent force in bringing the Vaishnava understanding forefront to the forefront of uh, the world. So just to appreciate that principle in his uh, temple in, uh, in Mayapur, he, he placed the four acharyas, the four corners around the temple. So if you go to the temple of Gandharvika Agedidari temple, Mayapur, you can see all these acharyas, uh, they, they were installed by Bhaktisiddhanta Thakur. And he was very much appreciative of, uh, of um, the role of Ramanuja and Madhva, especially because how they refuted strongly the Mayavadi conception. See, the Mayavadi conception is so strong that it just remains so prominent even after thousands of years, you know, com compared to when Shankaracharya appeared, because it is rooted in the understanding that I'm the Lord. And, you know, if you see Shri Prabhupada, you know, Pranam Mantra says, Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarini. He carries the same principle uh, of uh, destroying the, the understanding of Mayavad, understanding that there is no, there is no uh, Vishesha, there is no qualities in the absolute truth. So in that sense, we are very much indebted and we very much uh, follow Madhva's teachings as Mahaprabhu accepted that principle very strongly. And, you know, just we were reading about Advaita Acharya. Advaita Acharya, just to get the mercy of the Lord, he knew Mahaprabhu would not accept a senior position compared to Advaita Acharya because Advaita Acharya was much more uh, elder, elderly uh, compared to Mahaprabhu. So he understood, Mahaprabhu understood that Advaita Acharya could not be tricked. You know, because, you know, whatever he tried, uh, Advaita Acharya always said, you know, I'm your servant. So he tricked Advaita Acharya. He said, the only way Advaita, uh, sorry, the Advaita Acharya tricked, you know, Mahaprabhu is not accepting me as, as, uh, as my master. Uh, so he's not accepting me as, my, as his servant. So the only way I can, I can trick to make him that is if I preach Mayavadi. So, you know, he started giving classes on a book called Yoga Vashishta, which basically is a Mayavadi book. You know, one of the followers of Shankaracharya composed that. So he started establishing how ultimately everything is Brahman and everything is uh, non-dualistic. There's no truth just behind Brahman, ultimate reality. And when Mahaprabhu heard this, he got so upset. <laughs> this is all Leela, of course. And he came and he wanted to punish Advaita Acharya. He was almost punishing him. Then Advaita Acharya, in great ecstasy, said, yes, finally I have. I, you know, you've accepted me as your servant. Because only a master can chastise a servant, right? That is the principle. So Advaita Acharya wanted to get that favor from Lord Chaitanya. And, you know, he tricked him by preaching. You know, this is one thing that he knew Lord Chaitanya would never uh, feel happy when he found out. In fact, there was one more pastime in Mukunda was also, he was also going to hear from, uh, uh, from Mayavadis, you know, he was a simple person, but 
and uh, he was he was listening to both the devotees and sometimes he would go hear from mayavadis about krishna how krishna is ultimately absolutely is, is uh, nirvishesha and all this you know mukunda was a very simple hearted person he didn't have that conception but he just wanted to be polite but mahaprabhu he was very strong he said on one end you're accepting the form of krishna and on, a, on another end you're saying he's formless it's like thunderbolt you know you're hitting with the thunderbolt and then you know he he, he chastised mukunda so we can understand the principle that mahaprabhu was you know that is the very principle why he accepted madhva is because he strongly accepted this principle of of uh, of going against the mayavadi because uh, many times though mayavadi mayavadi principle is very appealing it is it is sometimes proper terms it as spiritual suicide because by nature living entity has a relationship with krishna and it is a loving relationship and the fulfillment of that relationship is engaging in loving a relationship with the lord in different rasas and when a living entity is denied that opportunity it gives such a pain to the lord and and the pain to the lord is also pain to that his devotee so his devotee take this uh is gigantic effort to uh to remove that biggest obstacle in the hearts of uh devotees so we can we can be very much uh, grateful to shiva prabhupad for his presentation to help so many of us to even understand what are we talking about <laughs> and then what is what to speak connect with these prominent great acharyas to our, to our heart and you know we can get so many blessings from these great acharyas to increase our faith in understanding krishna in understanding our relationship with krishna and the purpose of all this is only one all this study of uh, uh everybody does not have to become a scholar and study this but the purpose if one understand that my only goal in life is to ultimate understanding is to perform devotional service and then that is the conclusion of understandings and you know furthermore in, in this chapter of chetan charitamrit mahaprabhu refutes some of the tatvavadi followers who were who were just attached to the external principles of devotion uh, he chastises them by presenting like you know the goal of life is not liberation the goal of life is to develop love of god krishna and he established and you can do material activities perfect but the best way to achieve that goal of life of loving god is not by expertly doing material activities but by hearing and chanting about krishna so we can see how prabhupad established the same principle so strongly by hearing and chanting krishna's name and understanding to one's capacity what it is all of the lord and performing service in that sense one can reawaken very quickly this principle of one's eternal loving relationship within their heart so those are some points it is unlimited you know i have not even glorified one speck of the dust of the glories of uh madhvacharya it is uh, it is for my benefit that i uh, i'm i'm grateful for this opportunity you know we can pray 
and but his glories are unlimited you can read unlimited um, points about his glories so on that point we can uh, open up for any comments anybody who would like to add anything any further thoughts i'm sure you have read a lot more things too all right krishna prabhu thank you for your class please set my obeisances nice to see you um i i just appreciate the whole thing the journey you just took us on through there um uh in my own path uh i originally was very kind of god conscious and got into christianity and and went to ministry school like a christian brahmachari and a series of unfortunate events kind of sent me in my late 20s into kind of an atheistic mindset to where i was just angry at god i was like very resentful you know just from the suffering that i had and in my mid to late 30s i found buddhism which um obviously pulled me out of that complete it was like the transition you know and so i was appreciating how you were speaking on the transition of like sankracharya and so forth coming out of this you know like okay you know even more the incarnation of lord buddha when i came to this practice everybody's like oh that's krishna you know and that's his way of tricking atheists into believing in it because i used to always be like oh well buddha said he's not god you know and i would i would just be so attached to that but then i got to this point of like why am i so attached that there is no god or why am i so attached to their what my anger at god when all this suffering is clearly because of me you know in some point or another you know and i got to this point where my heart was softened enough and that's when i had that strong pull to come to you know the temple and uh and then i never left you know i felt like it was a continuation and i felt i got to that point of seeing the energy and everything and i thought we all just merged back into it and uh it was it was a good place for me um because then my heart was open you know and but it was like it was still missing i you know my conclusion of like the mayavadi way and everything else buddhism was there's more you know it was like okay this is nice this is great and it's very in line you know i i was looking into the advaita is it advaita philosophy that we come from initially uh advaita vedanta philosophy oh yeah, yeah. So it goes back, but I, I was looking into that and the parallels. I mean, the, the philosophy is almost the same, you know, it's it's very, very similar up into the points. And um, it is very attractive, but it's to me, it's incomplete. You know, it's like, okay, this is this, but it's incomplete. And um, so, yeah, just hearing, you know, just the the lineage going through, you know, is like almost like the spiritual evolution of my own. So. It was very nice all your points very beautiful thank you thank you for sharing very nicely said anybody would like to add anything else any Peru, i just want to thank you for such a um educational presentation and it's it's i find it quite special to hear about the acharyas and also um to just see how like Krishna says that he he sends his representatives, he comes himself, he just one after another sends um, empowers people to basically take the souls on a transformative journey over time. And just seeing how 
what was needed in different circumstances. Um, he would he would sort of send the right person or have the right the right person each a specific thing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the principle. I often, I mean, when we study for STEM, there we get sometimes lost in uh, so many differences. You know, why would Krishna Shankaracharya and then go after him like so hard? But we also have to understand Krishna is very compassionate. So we have experienced, anybody who has kids experience do that. You know, when, when you know somebody is really not in, you know, you try, try to give something they can relate to, that is compassion. That ultimately compassion doesn't always confirm with everything intellectually so but at the same time krishna also wants what he wants the best for us and he'll get us there so yeah thank you for that point thank you. Hi, krishna, krishna, mother i don't know if you can hear or yes i can hear mother see, see me <laughs> yes i can um, see you too I can see you too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, thanks for a wonderful class. And I was just thinking about how um, you're saying that Lord Chaitanya took um, different two points or like that yeah. from the different sampradayas. So um, is there any kind of a reference uh, to or Prabhupada's statements about um, how the sampradayas in the future Lord uh, Chaitanya predicted would become united one sampradaya uh, i i don't have a reference right now but we hear sometimes bhaktivinoda talker say about the universal religious principle as far as uh sankirtan moment is concerned uh, mm -hmm. I, I i don't necessarily have is a reference where he may have mentioned or he may have mentioned that we become one sampradaya in that sense um yeah i don't know if there is a reference i mean balgopal prabhu you are uh you have any thoughts or anybody else samiprash prabhu or anybody knows any reference that Prabhupada used to say that so the the connection that we have with uh Madhvacharya, you, you were saying that Lord Chaitanya so much appreciated that um, he was uh, against Maivad uh -huh. uh, philosophy. So, uh, I mean, we like you said, uh, Lord Chaitanya could have had his own sampradaya, or maybe we could have hooked up with some other sampradaya. But yeah. it seems like um, the whole preaching aspect was just being uh, promoted for this Kali Yuga. Mm -hmm. to uh, make sure that, um, um, you know, every, everything sacred is saved, that um, this, this Maivad philosophy doesn't keep contaminating uh, uh, everyone. So yes. can you say something about uh, that? How, you know, specifically we're hooked up with um, the Madhva? So can, can you... Elaborate that question, Mother Nidja, sorry, how we are. Yeah, just, uh, just uh, maybe I know you're explaining a bit about it, but um, how, how is it that uh, we're, um, well, we're, we're similar in so many ways too to uh, the uh, Ramanujas. 
but we're connected with uh, Madhvacharya because of um, the way uh, Lord Chaitanya uh, arranged things. So I was just appreciating that uh, you were explaining this connection we have, and I didn't know if you had any more to, to say about that. Yeah, um, I, I don't have a source, but I've heard that, you know, typically where Prabhupada mentions this also in his purports in Chaitanya Chaitanya, predominantly Sri Vaishnavas are worshippers of Sita and Ram, and to some extent Madhvacharya Sampradaya too, but Madhvacharya also accepted form uh, worship of Krishna. Now, there's details. They may not see Srimati Radharani as we see, because Madhvacharya took a very uh, extreme right as far as philosophical understanding of, uh, he didn't want to leave any stone unturned how to show that differentiation. So uh, on the principles of energies of the Lord and in everything, he just clearly presented the distinction aspect very clearly. So we may not totally resonate with that philosophy in that sense, but on the principle wise of refutation of Mayavad, uh, he was, the, that's, that, that is a more, stronger accepting principle we take and that uh, that i wouldn't say a differentiation but uh that change in the mood happened with madhavinda puri so you know he's he's considered chaitanya describes he is the he is considered the root of the uh you know aspects of uh, bringing uh, the um the aspect of loving relationship in especially in the in the conjugal mode and all these aspects these are not much discussed in, in discussed in the in uh, in uh, madhva lineage their prominent is you know relationship as, as a servant and and the divine and mahaprabhu of course he's he's coming the whole purpose of mahaprabhu coming is not to just chaitanya uh, clearly gives what is the principle and why did Mahaprabhu come? One is he wants to enjoy and at the same disseminate Chari Bhav, the four essential rasas he wants to disseminate and the primarily conjugal rasa. And this is something very unknown. Very, This is an unknown territory for many, many uh, people in this world and not many Acharyas have given. So Madhavendra Puri himself there's some, this nice verse um, in the Prabhupada says, let me try to pull that verse. I think you, uh, you've heard this verse beautiful that uh, uh, it's, um, I'll pull that verse for you. Prabhupada writes very beautiful uh, understanding in that. It's in Madhavendra Puri's chapter. Seven, I think that verse number is. Yeah. So Madhavendra Puri is having this mood. Oh, my Lord, oh, most merciful master of master of Mathura, when shall I see you again? Because of my not seeing you, my agitated heart has become unsteady. Oh, most beloved one, what shall I do now? I don't have qualification to speak on this verse, but we can read Prabhupada's purport on how he differentiates our mood. The uncontaminated devotees who strictly depend on Vedanta philosophy are divided into four sampradayas or transcendental parties. Out of the four sampradayas, Sri Madhvacharya Sampradaya was accepted by Madhavendra Puri. Thus, he took sannyas according to the parampara, the disciple succession. 
Beginning from Madhvacharya down to the spiritual master of Madhavendra Puri, the Acharya named Lakshmipati, there was no realization of devotional service in conjugal love. Very important point. Sri Madhavendra Puri introduced the concept of conjugal love for the first time in Madhvacharya Sampradaya. And this conclusion of Madhvacharya Sampradaya was revealed by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when he toured southern India and met the Tattvabadis who supposedly belong to Madhvacharya Sampradaya. So in one sense, there is no fault in Tattvavadis <laughs> themselves because their principle of is not necessarily to awaken that mellows of love of God, and especially in that mellow. But when Mahaprabhu appeared, he seemingly wanted to establish that as the prominent principle, of course, because Mahaprabhu's mood was that. And of course, he sent Madhavendra Puri and he to which who took sannyas in Lakshmi uh, uh, in that lineage he took from Lakshmipati. And but he his mood was of of separation. His mood was separation. And here Prabhupada says that uh, in that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was always expressing the ecstatic emotions of Srimati Radharani that and she exhibited when she saw Uddhava at Vrindavan. Similar feelings experienced by Madhavendra Puri are expressed in this verse. Therefore, Vaishnavas in the Gaudiya Madhva Sampradaya, which is Iskand, is a part of that, say that ecstatic feelings experienced by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu during his appearance from Sri Madhavendra Puri through Ishwara Puri came from Sri Madhavendra Puri through Ishwara Puri. All the devotees in the line of Gaudiya Madhva Sampradaya accept these principles of devotional service. So we can see that. There is a subtle mood that we can experience, which is a little different. Of course, this is a very high mood. For most of, <laughs> I have no idea what we are talking here, but but this is something Mahaprabhu is offering, and we are we are we may be bestowed by the mercy of our acharyas. This is the possibility that we are exposed to. So, is that uh, did I discuss that properly, Mother Nija, or would you like to add anything on that? Thank you so much, Prabhu. I just see that uh, Balgopal Prabhu added something. Maybe you could read. Oh, is it in the chat? Okay, let me. Okay, so Sheila Bhakt, this is Balgopal Prabhu said, Sheila Bhaktivinoda Thakur predicted in the Harmonious September issue that soon all devotional sampradaya would merge into one, which would later become known as the Sri Brahma Sampradaya. Sri Bhaktivinoda Vaibhav, Volume 2, Chapter 8. Thank you very much, Prabhu. It's a very beautiful reference. So I think we're past time, 9.08. So we can end here. Thank you very much. Please pray for Madhvacharya's blessings on me and uh, and all your blessings too. Hari Hari. Thank you, Tosi Prabhu. Thanks, Prabhu. Hari Hari. Tosi Bhagavad Ki Jai.